father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today we have episode 156 with Coach Al Woods. Outside of sports, his passion has always been the recruiting process. From August 1989 to September 2018, he ran a recruiting service, Woods Recruiting, where he assisted thousands of student athletes and parents in the day-to-day challenges of the process and placing thousands in college. In all of those years, it seems like he had conversations with a million and one parents, student athletes, and coaches from all levels. He's gained a huge amount of knowledge through the years. His first passion was basketball. He played high school basketball at Bayside High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. In his college years, he played at West Virginia State College, and he played professionally in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He had an amazing and unique insight on the recruiting process, and he will share all of his knowledge on his website. Woods Recruiting is based in Cleveland, Ohio. He's originally from Virginia Beach, Virginia. He grew up a Washington Redskins fan, but now he follows the Cleveland Browns and all Cleveland sports religiously. I think you're going to really get a great insight into the recruiting process. Uh, Al runs his own uh, recruiting agency, and uh, he really tries to help out um, coaches, parents, players on how to um, not necessarily master the recruiting process, to be more, but more knowledgeable, uh, be a little more canny uh, in your approach to recruiting. It's a big process, and he feels like there's a lot of mistakes being taken by athletes trying to get recruited. And he's going to really give us some great advice on what's the best way for you to get noticed as a player. And this is also for coaches and parents. So, And as a coach, I really want to get the insight on how I can help my players out. So he's going to really provide a great insight into the process of recruiting. Let's welcome Al Woods. Al, welcome. All right, here we go. We got uh, we got Al Woods on. I already gave an introduction a little bit earlier on the podcast. So, uh, but I want Al to kind of tell a little bit about himself and um, 
you know, what he's doing now. Uh, I, did, I have spoken with uh, Al Woods before. Um, I was very interested in his recruiting program and so forth. So um, I really like what he's doing. And uh, Al, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kevin. It's great to be here. Um, you know, great to talk with you again, as always. Um, so we're doing a lot with uh, Woods Recruiting. We've, um, we've had a long history of working with student athletes. And, and so that's been very successful. We've helped thousands of kids get recruited, get placed in college. Um, back in around 2013, we started to add a team of scouts. So that went really well. And, um, and then now uh, we're looking at more of the, the teaching of college scouts, recruiting services we're working with. And we want to help the, the high school and club coaches uh, on how to get their players recruited and placed in college, that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, I know you made, um, because before, I think you were trying to, you know, recruit, you know, kind of guys like me, high school coaches and so forth. What kind of led you to the change on what you're doing now? Um, well, uh, back in 2013, we had, uh, for about 13 and 2014, we did a, uh, a coaching program to work with uh, recruiting services. So it went really well, but then we needed to get back into the, uh, the scouting side of it because it was so weird because it's like we wanted to make that transition, but then everyone kept contacting us for help, you know, parents, student athletes, for recruiting help. So we went ahead and went back to it for several more years. But then I just felt it was just time to make that transition. We had done it for about 29 years or so, almost 30 years doing running a recruiting service. And I just felt it was just, it was just time for a change. I mean, I think I was taking on too much by trying to run a recruiting service and, and bringing in a team of scouts. So I figured it would be a little less stressful if I just worked with you know, college scouts and, and, and training them helping them set up their own recruiting services, basically what I, what I was trying to do. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. And, um, and I know you're going to go into more detail and so forth on, so basically I, I would love to have you kind of train us like on, because I know there's going to be coaches. I have a lot of coaches that listen and maybe you can try to help recruit some of us uh, into your program and so forth. Um, yeah. Al, first of all, tell me about, how you got involved in sports as a youth and how that kind of led you to what you're doing right now. Cause you've had a, you had a full career in uh, athletics and, and how did it, how did it lead you to this, this point in your life? Well, sports was everything for me growing up. Um, we played sports. We lived in uh, for a time in the, in the mid seventies, we lived in New Jersey and we played every sport there was. I mean, we, we actually grew up in Virginia. I was born in Virginia, but when we moved to uh, New Jersey, hockey, we started playing street hockey. <laughs> and we would play football and baseball, and I really wasn't a basketball player at that time. Basketball wasn't even very popular on TV at the time. So we played all of those sports, but then, you know, I started to grow. You know, I was growing. Uh, probably by the time I was 12 years old, I was six foot two, same height as my dad. And I, I got into basketball just by accident, um, just playing around with some guys. And, you know, I, I liked it. And so uh, I dropped all the other sports and I focused on basketball, started watching more basketball games on TV. 
And then um, we moved back to Virginia. Uh, my father, you know, he was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot. Um, you know, we had been everywhere by then. And um, I just started playing ball. Uh, similar story to Michael Jordan getting cut in the 10th grade, you know, <laughs> and I didn't, uh, I didn't quit. I didn't go transfer to the other school, uh, the high school across town. I said, I'm just gonna take this time and get better. Um, and the strange thing was people wanted me on their teams. So that kind of built my confidence up, being, on, being chosen to be on teams, being picked to be on a team. Uh, I played summer league ball, we did all of that, and it just kind of uh, helped my confidence. I started growing um, stronger with my confidence, my self-esteem. Uh, it seemed like the more I played, the more confidence I got, and my self-esteem continued to just get stronger and stronger. And by then, by the time I was in high school, all I wanted to do was play basketball every day, you know? So that's kind of how it started for me as a, as a kid. And then, um, you know, the whole recruiting thing for me, it didn't work out getting recruited out of high school. I wasn't recruited out of high school. Um, you know, by then I was about six foot seven. Wasn't really that good of a basketball player, but um, I'm seeing other players in the city. I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I saw a lot of other players uh, get recruited, go off to college, but it wasn't happening for me. So, you know, I sat out maybe a year after high school. I went to Chicago to live with my uncle for a little while. Um, and then, uh, you know, someone saw me playing a basketball game and that's kind of how the whole recruiting thing started for me. And after a few ups and downs with it, I ended up at West Virginia State College uh, near uh, Charleston, West Virginia. And so I had, you know, great success there, great coaching. Uh, a lot of great players. Um, we had one guy ended up getting drafted by the New York Knicks. Um, so I ended up playing overseas in, in Argentina. So that's kind of, you know, a brief history of me. Yeah, and it sounds like to me, and I, I'm kind of figuring out, hey, you know, this is why you're doing what you're doing. You, you didn't have a lot of people along the way to kind of say, hey, that give you direction on recruiting. You pretty much did it on your own. Is that a big reason what you're doing right now? It, it absolutely is. Um, you know, no one helped me with recruiting. Our high school coach, he didn't know anything about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, that's how it was. It's just, you thought the coach was supposed to help you, but they didn't. And, and when I ended up getting uh, to West Virginia State, many of my teammates, they didn't have the direct path from high school straight to college. They either sat out a year after high school, did other things, or maybe they went to junior college. Um, so it was all of that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm thinking like, well, I'm not the only one that's going through this, you know? So after I'm done playing ball in, in, uh, in Argentina, you know, I'm actually working out at, at the YMCA and I run across a, a high school kid. I actually thought he was a college kid because he was a really big, big kid. And he had just been out of high school a couple of years. And so he wanted to play. Uh, I'm talking with him and, and his dad. We're, we're probably standing on center court at the Y. And we're having this conversation about basketball. He really wanted to go to school and all of that. So I said, well, let me see what I can do. Uh, let me make a few phone calls. This was probably around 1986. And, you know, within about a week, I got this kid in college somewhere. 
you know, make just making a few phone calls. I knew a few coaches and it worked out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it does take a lot of effort. So, I mean, I, I guess my questions here are, are you trying to, is this what it sounds like? You're trying to get fellow scouts, get, give me part of the philosophy behind your training. Um, so you're trying to take uh, like former players or coaches and try to get them to develop their own service. Is that, is that primarily what you're trying to do or just trying to educate them? Yeah. Try to train them? It is. It is. It, it, I'm trying to get people to, I'm trying to get more recruiting services out there. I'm trying to get more high school coaches, club coaches to, to develop their own recruiting service and help these kids get into college. Uh, part of the reason for the training as well is that it just seems like every year when these kids go back to school that recruiting services are coming out, trying to sign them up and do all these different things. But then you hear all the negativity yeah. about recruiting services. You hear, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, it's just constant negativity. People are saying things you don't need recruiting services. You know, you're charging money to help kids, all kind of craziness. And I think it's because of a lack of training, uh, a lack of a roadmap on how to put your recruiting service together. I think those are some of the, the major issues uh, that I see with individuals with their own recruiting service. You just hear a lot of negativity, and I wanted to do something about it because I know every kid can't get recruited for college. You know, even really good ball players, yeah, you know, amazing talent, and they're going to get overlooked. So I wanted to do something about it. Yeah, and for sure, and I really want to learn from you and so forth. And I, I'm de I'm definitely interested in your program because um, I deal with a lot of kids in my area here, and I I got um, I got a player right now that is is a rising senior, Al, and um, I think I I think I told you about her. Um, she already has offers from small D1 schools, uh, UNC Asheville, okay. uh, Sanford, okay. out of Alabama. And, but, I mean, literally she's got offers already. And I read a good article and you says, hey, you know what? Sometimes you have to take those offers instead of waiting for the big prize. You know, of course, you know, she wants to play at um, Georgia, right around the corner from us, place Clemson. Florida, Duke, it's like, okay, you know, I mean, so give us some, give us some, um, some feedback on that, because that's, that happens a lot, doesn't it? it? It does happen a lot, and I can understand that. I mean, the bigger schools have more profile, they're on TV, everyone knows their names, they're the big brand name schools, and everybody, every kid wants to play at those schools, but I think you should go where you're wanted, where the opportunity is there, where you can get an education. You know, I got an education. Get an education. Basketball is not going to last forever. Right. The education will. Go somewhere where you're going to get an opportunity to play. You know, the one of the things I tell people sometimes is that, you know, I can remember mostly all the games I played in in college, okay? The practices, the games, all of that, my experiences with the coaches. But I couldn't tell you what I got on an English exam back in 1983 or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember basketball experiences, and that's the thing you want to walk away with. Do, did you play? Were you a contributor to the team? You know, how did that make you feel? Or you, did you go to a big school? You never got to play, and you sat at the bench. You know, so these are things players got to think about. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of kids that go to these colleges and um, basically they're you know uh, walk-ons. And yeah. if you want to be a walk-on, because basically, of course, you know, if you get your education paid for, I think that's great. But you have to find the right fit. That's what you're saying, right? And that's that's yeah. not easy because you got trainers, you got parents, yeah. you got the AAU coaches telling them, "Hey, man, you can go big time." And that's yeah. hard to kind of decipher all that. It, it really is. It really is. There's more people in their ears nowadays telling these kids what they should be doing, that kind of thing. But it, sh it comes down to, it really should be a discussion between the student athlete, their parents, and their coach. Just sitting down collectively and trying to figure out the best plan for that student athlete. Um, because this is a one-shot deal. You want to get it right. You don't want to go somewhere and then a year later you're thinking about transferring. You want to go somewhere and work hard, you know, it's going to be work as an athlete. It's going to be work in the classroom, but that's what it's all about work. And that's going to make you a better person when you're, when you're, when you graduate from college. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I was talking, um, we actually did a, um, an interview with uh, my assistant coach and uh, one of my, uh, the player I'm telling you about. And I told her, I says, there's a big transfer portal out there that kids are transferring all the time. So your decision is going to be, it's going to be important to you. You got to know what you want. Yeah. Uh, and she's pretty mature. So I think, but I think it's important for us coaches to educate the players. It, it is. It, and I think it should start when these kids start playing ball. So if they're picking up a ball at middle school, that's when the education process needs to begin. Because right. not only are you educating the student athlete, but you're educating the parents. And the parents have a greater influence over these student athletes because they see them every day. The parents do. So I think it begins with early education on the process. And just don't limit yourself to the big name schools. Look at all opportunities. There's opportunities everywhere. Yeah, it's so, it's so true. And there's so many schools out there. But there's a lot of decisions. Do you stay at home? Do you um, go to another state? Um, do you like the coach? Give me a process of how you train your scouts. Like, give me, uh, you don't have to explain everything, but kind of give me a process so the coach is listening and say, hey, I'm, you know, that's, that's something I'm in, I might be uh, interested in doing down the road. Okay, well, you know, one of the, one of the big issues is, is money, okay? You know, so there's a lot of recruiting services that don't, they don't charge anyone anything. So then how can parents take you seriously if you're not going to charge them a fee? Are you really going to work hard for them for free? Then there's the recruiting services that charge a fee. So we're trying to teach the scouts how to have that conversation with the parents about paying money. Uh, it's a delicate process. Yeah, there, there is a process, just like there's a process for shooting free throws. There's fundamentals to everything. And sports, there's fundamentals that we're trying to teach scouts uh, on how to be a scout, how to approach the parents, because the parents are the ones who are going to pay for this. So it's just a certain process that uh, we're teaching them. You know, I've had thousands of conversations with parents. And so I understand how they feel, what they think, what they're looking for, what they want. And so we're trying to, with our program, is to teach the scout how to approach the parents in a way where the parents feel like they're involved, they're included, and that it's not all about them, you know, making a payment for a recruiting service. You know, they, they, 
They want their, their sons and daughters to get recruited and get into college and they'll pay, but you have to present it in a way where it's, it's, it's fun, where the fundamentals are. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and I think a lot of people, particularly nowadays, don't you think, Al, that, I mean, figure the money being spent on club ball, okay. <laughs> on traveling. I, I'm not sure. People are willing to invest in their kids probably more than ever, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, 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 it's not a bad thing. Um, you know, I mean, you want to get exposure, but also you want to compete. These kids want to compete. They want to see where they where they stand with other players. Can they compete with the big name players that they hear about so much, the top ranked players? Can they hold their own with them? I mean, I would want to know, you know, where I, I stood as an athlete. Could I compete against the top players? So that's important. There, there is a lot of money being spent on, on the club, you know, club ball, AAU, and all sports has a club component attached to it. So it's, it's like, you know, that's family vacation nowadays. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah and I, um, I deal in this area. There's a lot of kids that go unnoticed yeah. Yeah. In, in the area that I'm at. It's kind of, you know, it's in kind of mid, the mid-Georgia, near Macon, Georgia. Okay. Uh, a lot of kids go unnoticed because most of the kids in Atlanta um, have all the tournaments and everything right there. So um, those are the kids that we need to help, right, because there's a lot of talent everywhere in America. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. There is a lot of talent. A lot of players do get overlooked because maybe they're not living in a big city, playing in the big exposure events, those kind of things. Maybe they're not on the right AAU program or club program or, you know, high school program. So uh, that's one of the needs for recruiting services. That's why I feel there needs to be more uh, services out there because of these kids. There's, I mean, we helped a lot of kids who were Division I talent, okay? They just didn't get recruited by Division I schools. We ended up getting them in D1 schools uh, because just these schools didn't see them. They didn't see them play anywhere, you know? So it's, it's about getting them, getting their name out there, someone who's going to be consistent, helping these kids, working with them, educating them, helping them uh, and point them in the right direction. I mean, that's why we need more scouts. There's plenty of, of, if it's about a, a business situation where everybody's competing, I think there's enough business out there for everyone. Yeah, for sure. So, so give me an idea of what a scout's job would be. Let's I'm sure most of your scouts probably have other jobs, maybe even coaches. Give me a sample of trying to find, first of all, you have to find, you have to have the, um, the players available in the area, right? And you got to be able to meet and connect with people. So yeah. give me kind of a mini, mini job description for uh, one of your scouts. Well, I think the best is if you have previous coaching experience, uh, that's, a, that's a plus uh, because you could better relate to the student athlete. A lot of scouts want to focus on the sport that they know best. I mean, for me, it was basketball, but then being in, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio is a huge football state. Sure. You know, so we did football. But you want to look for someone who has previous coaching experience, previous playing experience helps. Did they go to college? So these are things that you can have a conversation with the parents about, your, your background. You know, it might not always come up, but you have the credentials as a coach, as a former player, someone who went through the recruiting process, 
someone who graduated from college. So those things are, are very, very important. And just being able to have that conversation with the parents and be able to guide the student athletes, it's all about giving them the, 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 the right information because it's really a one-shot deal. You know, once you graduate high school, it's over. If you don't have a college home, then you're going to struggle. It's going to be a major problem from, from that point on. Yeah, and, and is the next step, um, obviously you have to evaluate because grades are important. There's a lot of kids that want to play that don't have the grades. So you, you better be academically strong, right, or academically eligible. Yeah, so with, when, with our recruiting service back in the day, we wouldn't take players if they had bad grades because it was just nothing we could do for them. Uh, you know, I mean, they would plead with us, please, you know, we'll, we'll pay whatever, you know, but it wasn't about that because we didn't want to have someone pay us X amount of dollars and then we couldn't get them in college because of their grades. So we just wouldn't do it. So we tried to um, work with them at middle school age, explaining them the importance of grades. Um, but if you don't have grades, there's nothing you can do. I mean, and it's even... Uh, it's even harder, probably 10 times harder, if you're a football player because there's not that many junior colleges for football. Right. So if you have bad grades as a football player, you're in some serious trouble. But academics is, is a huge component uh, in this process, for sure. Yeah, I guess there's options too, right, Al? Um, you know, there's um, preparatory schools, I guess, that people can go to kind of, or junior colleges, like you said, yeah. Uh, we, we live right by one called GMC, Georgia Military College. We, we get kids from all over the place um, here just to kind of get them ready academically for that, that four-year school. Yeah, it, you know, it can be tough, though, at the, uh, the prep schools. Um, it can be tough because if it's depending on the sport. Basketball, they may have a, a, a better shot moving from the prep ranks to something else, you know, B1, D2 after that. But then again, prep school is what, one year? Um, and then you're on a team. It could be, if it's basketball, it could be 15, 20 players on a team. So who, right. how, are everybody, how are they all going to play and get, get seen? So those are your limitations there. There's, all, there's major limitations if you play football at a prep school, and especially if you're a quarterback. You know, I mean, a lot of colleges have eight, nine, ten quarterbacks on the roster, even in college. So a lot of these kids are just not going to get the opportunity. So it's very challenging. And again, I go back to the need for recruiting services, for scouts who understand these processes and can help these kids make better decisions. Because if you make the, the, the wrong move, you're going to end up playing college recruiting musical chairs. You know, you're going you're gonna to go to a prep school, then you're going to leave and go to a junior college, then you're going to leave and go to a you know, maybe a D2 school that doesn't work out and then you leave and go somewhere else. The next thing you know, you've jumped around to three or four college programs and what do you really have? Nothing. So the scout, I think the important thing, tell me if I'm wrong, Al, is I think the, you have to find the right fit. For example, I have a player like I was telling you about. I think she's a great fit for a small division one. And to be honest with you, she could play at a division two and be a major player with and high academics at this school. But that's what I would do as her agent, as her coach, right. but I don't make the choices. So I think as a scout, you better know the talent level of the person that you're dealing with. 
Yeah, yeah, the talent level is very important, but what, what you, as a scout, what you would want to do is to create options where the player has choices, they have more than one or two schools recruiting them. Uh, that way they can, as, and with their parents, decide what's the best option. But if they're only, if they're boxed in a corner and they only got one school, maybe two schools, then that could be problematic because sure. the school can control the, co the the scholarship and the dollars that they want to give out. But let's say you got six or seven college programs that are really interested in you. They're from high D1s, low D1s, you know, maybe some D2s mixed in there. Then the student athlete can decide on what they want to do. They have options. Yeah, that's true. You got, you got to give them because they ultimately, they got to make the choice, right? Absolutely. And, um, they don't always make the right choice, right, Al? So give me some, give me some stories on some, give me some success stories that you have worked with kids, and they probably nobody was looking at them. Uh, yeah. Take for example, yesterday, last night in the show, nobody was looking at Steve Kerr, right? And he went on to have a great. I, I was, of course, I, I saw as old I am. I remember Steve Kerr. He was a player at Arizona, man, yeah. but nobody was looking at him. Well, you know, it happens all the time. We had, uh, this was probably about 20, a little over 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, we had a player from the Cleveland area. He was about 6'6", six, six, uh, really good player, but um, no one was recruiting him. And so we, we, someone told me about him and we went and looked at him and investigated. He had a lot of 40-point games. Uh, and then I went and I talked to his coach. So I talked to the high school coach, and the high school coach had nothing but bad things to say about this kid. Wow. Okay, but when I investigated a little further, all of it was they were all lies by the high school coach. Hmm. This kid was a, a 3.5 GPA, strong test scores. He was uh, really involved in the community, uh, you know, church, his family, the whole thing. I'm like, well, why is this so opposite? Why are the coaches hating on this kid? So that was one of the reasons why he didn't get the looks. I mean, he didn't get anything. He, it was, he was going to end up going to junior college, even though he could have went anywhere. So I knew some coaching friends, and this was really late in the, in the basketball season was over by this point when we get involved. So I knew some coaching friends who, you know, who I had long relationships with. So I made some phone calls, and they went and saw him play. They liked them. And they signed it up, so he signed him up. So he ended up going to uh, Robert Morris uh, out of Pittsburgh, near Pittsburgh, Robert right. Morris University, D1 scholarship. He did really well there. So if we didn't get involved, he would have probably went, uh, you know, junior college and who knows what would have happened. And he almost made it uh, to the Cavaliers uh, roster. He was the last player cut. So he almost made the team. So... Yeah, yeah, thanks to you, thanks to you and your, um, you know, district. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado.
your work ethic and so forth and your eyes on your eye test saying, hey, this kid, this kid can play at the next level. Um, so that's pretty much really what you said is what you want from scouts, correct? I mean, you yeah. need to find those kids that these colleges aren't seeing. And it, it's really sad to see a high school coach would do that to a kid. That's really sad. It, it is, but it happens all the time. Or wow. you'll, you'll hear something like where a high school coach will say, um, and they've said this to me many times, they'll say stuff like, well, if the player is good enough, the college coaches will find them. And so I don't really agree with that um, because these are kids who are needles in a haystacks. College programs, they cannot see every player play. We, we know that. We have proof of that. There's plenty of them who are like that. And then I'll, I'll tell you another quick story. There was a kid probably a few years before that. And so I used to go to a lot of the open gyms in the city and beyond. Uh, through the suburbs. I was just walking, kids are playing ball. So I was at this one open gym and there was one kid in there. He looked to be about six foot four. It's in the summertime, he's just shooting ball. I'm sitting in the stands just watching him play. I, I walk out onto the court, we start talking. Comes to find out he just graduated high school. He had really good grades. And I said, well, what happened? You know, so he gave me the whole story about his coach didn't help him and all this kind of stuff. So I said, well, do you want to play? He said, yeah, I want to go to college and all of this. So by that time, we were charging a fee for it. So I just said, well, you know, I said, you can pay me half price. And, and he had money in his gym bag. I guess he had a job. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a car. So this is before cell phones. So I says, okay, he paid me whatever. I said, go home. I'm going to go back to my home office, stay by the phone. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to see what I can do. So this was in the morning. It was in the morning. So I got back to my home office. I made some phone calls. The first coach I called, a school in Ohio, D2 school in Ohio, they called the kid up right away, and they invited him to come down to the school uh, that day. So the kid drove down. It was an hour's drive south of Cleveland. He drives down. They bring him in the gym. They work him out. They like what he saw. They walked him over to the registration office and signed him up that day. So... One day, I got that kid. It took only one day to get him in college. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, there's probably so many kids out there, like you're saying that. But is it changed? Is it changed, Al? Because nowadays you have a lot of these kids that are playing the club, the trainers. So they're all in contact, right? Trying to get in contact with these college coaches. Or are there still a lot of kids that are kind of get, you know? They're kind of getting lost in the cracks a little bit. Well, they're still getting lost in the cracks. The only difference I see is that we have more tools now. I mean, back in the day, we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have uh, Huddle, YouTube, Facebook, all of this stuff where kids can put their information out. But it's just there's more kids now that's playing. There's more girls who are playing basketball than ever before. Than in, the, in the last 30 years, you got more females playing basketball, okay? I mean, they barely had a, bas a women's basketball program when I was at West Virginia State. Now, you know, I helped them get a lot of players at that school. So it's, it's changed when there's more players. The tools have changed. But still, the players are still getting, the, um, you know, they're still becoming invisible to, to college coaches. Are most of your scouts regional or are they going, um, are they more than regional? Are they going like on a national scale? Tell, tell us about some of your scouts that you have. 
Yeah, so the team that we had, they were all over the country. We had them as far as, um, you know, Los Angeles, California. We had some in Phoenix, uh, Texas. We had several in Wisconsin, some in the Baltimore, Maryland area, uh, Washington, D.C. We had uh, two in Virginia. Uh, we had some in Florida. So we had them spread out all over the country. Um, the same issues are the same. You know, there's no difference in L.A. and, and you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin. The issues right. are still the same when it comes to exposure. Uh, the players are slipping through the cracks. And it's all different sports. We had scouts who focused on different sports. So the issues are still the same. Um, you know, and, and a lot of our scouts did an excellent job. You know, excellent job. Yeah, and tell us, Al, about um, there's a lot of distractions out there regarding coaches and so forth and on that. Has the high school coach kind of lost his or her power nowadays? Or yeah, uh, times yeah. have changed, haven't it? Uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 um, it's more intensified now. It's more intensified. I think the issues were still the same, you know, uh, 40, 50 years ago, but it's now it's more intensified. The pressure, uh, it's not even the pressure to win, but it is, you got to win, but then you got to get all your kids who are good enough to play in college. You got to get them in college and it's got to be the right school or the families are going to gang up on the coaches and, and try to get that coach removed. Um, you know, so that's the unfortunate side. You see it every year, really good high school coaches are dropping out because of the pressures from the parents or the administration. You know, the kids didn't play or they played the wrong kids or they didn't play somebody's son. I'll tell you a, a quick story. It was, this was football. And so the parents are so hung up on stats, but the team was winning the football game. I think it was like 55 to three. And so they took all the starters out the game after the third quarter. So this one kid, it was a running back. He didn't get his 200 yards rushing for the game but they were winning the game. They were going to win the game, you know, a blowout, but the parents were still upset. So this is what coaches have to deal with is the parents, their attitudes, um, you know, their selfishness. It used to be too, uh, back in the nineties where, you know, these parents could transfer their kid out of a school and be eligible to play right away. Right. So the parents abused it. And then all of these state uh, associations came in and said, well, you got to, you, you can go to any school you want to, but you just can't play for a year, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's more intensified, I, I would say. Well, just to add on to that, out here in Georgia, uh, if you move, change address, you can go to a different school. So what are the parents doing? Mm -hmm. They're changing addresses. I mean, they're, they're moving all over the place. And, and we have so many transfers in this state alone. It's crazy, and particularly in Atlanta, where you got a lot of schools that are, um, you know, they're just doing a lot of recruiting. They're, that's how that's how they feed their program and so forth, which is, um, that's the way it is. And I mean, that's just the way it is now. Yeah. Uh, talk about if I had in this area, what should a kid do? Let's say a girl, I coach girls basketball. Okay. Let's say she's interested in playing at the next level. Uh, give them a process on what they need to do. Starting, let's say I have a ninth grader now, give them a process if they want to play at the next level. Kind of help them out a little bit, Al. Okay. Well, I think the first thing is to develop, you know, athletically. Um, you know, work on your game, uh, a lot of shooting, lifting weights, 
find a good club team, maybe get a trainer, um, and, and, and videotape everything. Videotape all the workouts, videotape every game, every single thing videotape. That way you can look at the tape and see where your weaknesses, how to improve your strengths. Um, but then it just shows improvement. So if you're sending that information out to college coaches, they're going to see you get better from your ninth grade year to your 10th grade year. They're going to see improvement. They're going to see you getting better. So that's one of the major things I think they should do. And then, of course, academics. You know, I think um, uh, I had an idea of that maybe the team could get together during the summer months, get the team together. Um, there is some downtime in between club tournaments maybe go to the library, maybe the parents could be involved in that, and study, study the SAT or the ACT. I mean, that's critical. You know, some, a lot of girls make good grades anyway. They're, you know, a lot of them are in the, the 3.5s and, and above. Yeah. Um, but get, get those standardized tests. But work as a, as, a, as a team, that way you're building camaraderie. You got the parents who are involved. And maybe the coach can come by and participate. But then you're at the library in, in groups of whatever, the whole team, you know, you've got them broken up into groups of four or five in a group, but you're building team chemistry. And I think those are the two big things, develop athletically and focus strongly on academics. Do you think, though, because this is what I see out here, you know, I, we have actually our own travel team out here. So we – I. I don't coach it because it's against the rules, but I have people that, that coach my players. Okay. Uh, and you have to do it nowadays, Al, right? You, ha you have to keep up, and your kids got to play pretty much all year round. But I do see a lot of programs where a lot of these parents think by just playing on the team, yeah. they're going to get exposure, and they're not really good enough. It, when, when does it come when – does, when does it get to a point where, hey, you know, maybe you just can't play at the next – that's the hardest thing to do, right, as a scout? It's, 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 it's almost impossible to tell a parent that their kid cannot play at the next level. Okay? It's just, it's a conversation that I have never wanted to have. You know, I had a father years ago, uh, wanted me, this is, you know, VHS tapes, you know, he sent me a tape of his son, sure. uh, football player, and he paid me. It was a check in there. And he said, I want you to look at this tape and evaluate my son and tell me, where he can play. He wants to play at Michigan State, so you tell me. And this kid couldn't play at any any college, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm struggling with the idea of how do I tell this parent that your kid can't play? Right. So it's very delicate. It's it's almost impossible. Um, and I don't even know what the answer is to it. But the parents do believe if their kid is on a club team and they and they're playing and they're being seen. Then, but the thing is, how do you know they're going to be seen? Because there's so many players. How do you know that college program is going to be at your court when you're playing, you know, if you're in a big exposure event? So that's, video is important, you know. But there's a place for every player. There's, that's why there's D1, D2, D3. There's junior college where you can go and develop. But junior college is very competitive now. So it's, it's really tough. It's very hard. It's almost impossible to get that message across to the parents. Yeah, and eventually it will get across because, the, you know, they're not going to get any offers. I mean, but that, but there's also opportunities within sports. Um, there's, you know, graduate assistantships. There's getting involved as a team manager at the college level. So there's a lot of opportunities I think we forget about if a kid really loves the sport 
that there's opportunities within sports. There uh, is, you know, there is, but these kids want to play. So right, right. they're not thinking about that. But it's going to come down to the, not the parents, it's going to come down to the student athlete when they realize that they don't have what it takes. Then maybe they move into those other opportunities that you mentioned. But it's going to come down to the student athlete. The parent is pushing for them to get a scholarship or go D1 or whatever. That's all they hear. Uh, you know, that's all they want. But the student athlete, at some point, they're going to realize that they can, they can do it or they can't. Yeah, and, and, and this is my philosophy, Al. I don't know if it's yours or not, but I think travel ball is good if it's the right philosophy in a sense that you're not here for exposure. I, my players, we're just trying to get them better. It's not about – we're not going to all these tournaments to get college because the only exposure camps are like out here, the Nike elite, the higher ones. I mean, college coaches are not going to watch most, most of these travel – ball games you're, you're just trying to get better and as you said if you get better people will come come see you yeah if you if you're getting better and you can have it on tape okay that's why i say tape everything and yeah. they may not be able to see you play we've had a lot of players that just didn't get get looked at they didn't get the looks because they just weren't on the right travel team or they were on a good travel team but nobody saw them play because of the numbers of kids out there huge numbers but um you know, tape is, a, is, is critical in, in this. And, and development, you know, if you're developing the player, that's, that's important. I mean, you have to develop. Some of these, these travel coaches, they're not working with the players. There's no fundamentals to what they're doing at all. Yeah, that's key right there is that skill development, which I think is lacking, not in every program, but in a lot of programs. Hey, I, I know you have to go. I only have a couple more questions, Coach. Sure. And, um, and But do you think – intangibles are very important in the recruiting process. So if this player is pretty good, she better have a good body language. She better be able to listen. I think college coaches are looking for more, for looking for that a lot, aren't they? I, I agree they are. I mean, because let's say you have two players who are identical in size, identical in grades, and what's going to separate them? Um, you know, it could come down to their body language on the court, how they interact with the coaches, how they interact with their teammates. So those things are important. Those things are, are hardly taught. So they need to be taught because college coaches are watching everything and they're, and they're trying to figure out who to offer a scholarship, a scholarship to because you could have two players or three players who are exactly the same and you have to figure out who you want to recruit and maybe that's that one or two intangible out there that's going to separate that player from the rest um, you know I mean they, they don't want bad apples in their program they want someone who's going to help uplift the program okay yeah so true um <clears throat> but yeah you don't see it a lot you know I go to these travel games and so forth and and part of that is the parents yeah. um and that that's a whole new podcast right there on the parents and travel ball right now <laughs> yeah it is it is I mean you know, the, the parents are also being evaluated. That's and I, true. You know, you as a coach and some of your other coaching alumni out there need to stress that to the parents, that they're looking at you too, parents, Mr. and Mrs. Mom and Dad. They're watching you as well. So if you're trying to coach your kid from the sideline or you're second-guessing every move the coach makes, they're not going to recruit that kid because they don't want that same nonsense at their college program. So the parents are being evaluated as well. And I think that should be part of the day one meeting when you 
with the with the team, you know, to express that to the parents. And, and you know, sometimes the parents do feel like they've been shut out of the recruiting process. A lot of coaches don't want to deal with the parents and they just don't want to talk to them at all. But there should be some kind of open dialogue, some kind of communication with the parents. At least a, a, an attempt should be made, you know. I mean, I know how the parents are. They're, you know, I've said it in many blog posts that the parents sometimes are crazy, you know, so you have to be careful. <laughs> That's true. Um, and I even, I even seen it and read about it, even at the high D1 levels. I mean, you watch these games on TV. All the parents are there. They're all having an influence. Uh, parent, I mean, so I guess as a coach, you know, if you really want this player, you're just going to have to learn how to deal with that, right? Well, you know, I, I'll tell you several stories. You know, I spent a lot of time with college coaches at summer camps and things like this. And privately, the college coach doesn't really want to deal with the parents. Publicly, they say, yeah, we want the parents because they work for the school and they got to say that. But there's been a lot of horror stories. Um, you know, I've got a, a really close uh, coaching friend of mine. He was an assistant at uh, West Virginia State. Um, when I was there, and then he's gone on to have an amazing uh, career. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, Coach Jim Boone. Yeah, um, for sure. I know, yeah, Coach Boone. Yeah, so we go way back, uh, you know, more than 30 years. But uh, he's had issues with players and parents, you know, and, you know, there's just a certain philosophy that he is going to go by and many other coaches are going to go by. And if the, play the parents and the players can't buy into it, then they got to move on. Right. You know, you're not going to let one player destroy your program and destroy your career. So, you know, you have to be careful. Yeah, that's so true. What uh, My final question now is uh, what can a coach who is listening, uh, first of all, how they can get a hold of you and kind of just give a final analysis of the program that you have uh, for coaches and, and or parents that are, that are listening to this? Well, they can reach me through Facebook, Al Woods. I'm on Facebook under my name, Al Woods. Um, I'm there under Woods Recruiting. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Woods Recruiting. Um, they can email me at alwoods at woodsrecruiting.com. So those are the best ways to reach me if they want to talk recruiting or they want to be a, a scout or how to do it. Um, we are currently putting together a, a new ebook on what it takes to be a college uh, scout. So we're working on that right now. Um, but, uh, and what was that final question? What was that final part? Uh, just on, uh, this, this, what, what you're saying is, you know, what, um, just, just on, on a final breakdown, if somebody was really interesting, boy, I really love what he's saying. Uh -huh. Um, you know, just give it a little final breakdown. If somebody was very interested in contacting you. Yeah. So, you know, those are the ways they can contact me. Um, we are, we're going to put out a lot of content on, uh, the do's and don'ts of being a college scout, uh, certain fundamentals that you should follow uh, on being a college scout. Um, just there's, there's a lot to learn, you know, and a lot of people who get into the business, they don't have a blueprint to follow. And it's still the same way now. There is no blueprint for anyone to follow who want to be a college scout. I mean, if you wanted to be a, an auto mechanic, there's a, blue, a blueprint on how to, you know, fix a car. You know, if you're a carpenter, there's a blueprint on how to do it. But this industry, there is no information out there at all on how to be a college scout. And so that's why recruiting services, a lot of them fail. You have a lot of people who, who get into this business with great intentions. They want to help kids. 
and all of that, but then they don't have the fundamentals. You know, it would be like someone who never played basketball before and they're going out there to shoot some free throws and they can't even hit the rim. You know, obviously they don't have the fundamentals, you know, but with some fundamentals, some practice, some training, some techniques, they can improve. You know, so it's the same with being a college scout. A lot of scouts get into it and then they get frustrated because they can't sign people up. They can't sign enough parents up. They can't make enough money. They can't grow the business. They make a lot of mistakes and then they just get out of the business after a year. And so when that happens, it, it, hurts, it, it hurts the student athlete when that happens. When the, when the recruiting service fails, then they're not there to help student athletes. Then student athletes are gonna struggle. So, and then if they do a bad job as a recruiting service, then what happens is that they all recruiting services, good or bad, get blamed. You know, all recruiting services are bad. All, because all it takes is one person to screw it up and all recruiting services get lumped into that category. So we want to teach the fundamentals and that's what we're going to be focusing on, on teaching. I think there should be more recruiting services. I think every high school could be a hub. You know, there could be a scout at, at that high school working with all the, the athletes at that school. There's a lot of large high schools in this country that have thousands and thousands of students. And why not have a scout at each high school? You know, I mean, I think it's that important because I've also seen the ugly side of these kids not going to college. You know, they're so passionate about their sport, but then they never made it to college. And so they end up you know, we're doing uh, living, they end up living a minimum wage lifestyle. So those are the, the, the traps of this whole process, but we need more people out there to help these kids. Yeah, that's a great point right there. And I definitely think there's a need because there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids that could, that really need to go to school right now that don't have the means to, yeah. um, to get to the college level. And cause I have, I have some kids that, uh, might not have the means and so forth, but uh, with some direction, you know, they can get a four-year degree and live a, live a great life. Yeah, so that's what's important. Sports is the, 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 the road to lead to this education, to lead to a great life, but you've got to have someone to help them build that road. Yeah. You know, that's where the coaches come in. Um, and if they can help them get recruited and learn some techniques, um, because it's very competitive out there. College coaches are being bombarded with information. I mean, it used to be really crazy back in the 90s because it was everybody would mail stuff into college coaches. Now it's a little different, but right. just fundamentals and having someone there where the parents can even talk to because the parents are going crazy when, with this recruiting process. They don't know what to do and they don't have anyone that they can talk to about it, you know? So, uh, you know, a lot of times the high school coach some of them don't want to deal with it. You know, they don't want to deal with the parents. They just want to focus on coaching and, and that's it. And just leave, leave the players to fend for themselves. Yeah, they almost need an unbiased opinion kind of in a way because even with, even with my players who can play at the next level, sometimes you need kind of an unbiased, not a trainer, not a coach, uh, to somebody who has experience in that area to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you might be thinking, right? They, you might be thinking about doing this. Yeah, you know, uh, the unbiased opinion, I think, is critical. I think that's what college coaches are looking for, too. I mean, because somebody else may come in and say, 
that you know the parents are going to say how great their kid is okay yeah so that's kind of why the college coach doesn't really want to talk to the parents that much because they're gonna their kid is the best my kid deserves a scholarship he he should be playing and all of this yeah. you know but the the coach who sees that player every day works with that player all the time who sees the growth and development uh, the coach knows what the player is doing in the classroom that's going to be the real honest opinion but on the flip side of that you do have some high school coaches who maybe don't care you know maybe that kid gave that coach a hard time maybe that kid didn't work hard enough in practice so now that coach wants to punish that kid so there needs to be a neutral uh third party involved someone who's neutral you know and that's where a lot of recruiting services come in because they are neutral and they're about helping the kid get to the next level by by any means necessary basically yeah yeah i love that al thank you so much for joining me man i think a lot of coaches are going to get on hopefully you have a lot of coaches contact you um but i really yeah. appreciate you taking the time out and uh joining me on the podcast man thank you so much hey kevin it was great to talk with you again uh, i really appreciate it and i hope uh this would bring uh, a lot of coaches some value absolutely on hey hang on after i click off here a little bit so okay. uh, we, we appreciate everything uh you sharing with us thank you no problem, kevin. No problem. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision podcast.